Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 542 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 30th of March 2021 as I record this and it's really really sunny here and it's all very exciting and uh, lockdown is heading for the end so I'm in a very good mood (laughs) and I'm excited to share today's in-betweeny-sode with you. I'm talking to Chris Banks about Pro Writing Aid, why he started it, how it helps writers with the things we can never see in our own writing, our writer's tick, as you might say, the things we do over and over again, and some of the aspects of the tool that I use personally, and we talk about a lot of that. But we also talk about the abundance mentality around AI and how writing with AI will increase work for writers and help us become more creative. It's always good to talk with another techno optimist. And of course, Chris is embedded across the writing and the tech worlds. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview today. And you can obviously go to prowritingaid.com or you can use my link. I'm a very happy affiliate of ProWritingAid. You can get 25 off at thecreativepen.com forward slash pro writing aid. And you will also find my tutorial on that page as well. So thecreativepen.com forward slash pro writing aid. I hope you enjoy the interview with Chris. Chris Banks is the CEO and founder of Pro Writing Aid, which has over 1.5 million users worldwide. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Joanna. It's nice to be here. Oh, no, I'm excited to talk to you today. So first up, tell us a bit more about you and your background in writing, because your bio mentions books, but no details. So I'm fascinated. Yes, it's because the the books I've written are uh, literally the most boring books you could ever imagine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And uh, they're only published in banking, so it's hard to get hold of as well. But yeah, so that was my, my story was I left university, I studied psychology, and went into management consultancy and then research. And so obviously that was a lot of writing. So writing kind of business processes um, and then research pieces. I was very lucky at that point to have people who spent a lot of time mentoring me in my writing uh, and showing me how to write business writing well. And I think you know, I was very lucky in that respect. I left university and it was a good university, but I actually wasn't a good writer and I'd never had any guidance with my writing um, so it was it was definitely a shock when I arrived in in the business world and and had to write to explain things to people rather than I think at university you're you're trying to impress your tutors because they already know the information you're presenting whereas in the real world you have to explain things to people so you have to simplify them and, and give them easier ways to, to understand things. That, that's fascinating. So I also went into management consultancy. I don't know if you knew that. I was at Accenture. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, so, I went, yeah. yeah. So where, I was, where were you? I was at a company called CHP Consulting that was set up by ex-Accenture people. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like many consultants end up in the writing world. Yeah, well, I, I, it is so heavy in writing, right? And I think, you know, writing is a good way of 
clarifying your thoughts. Uh, and I think when you do a lot of thinking for a living, then you end up doing a lot of writing naturally. So I think that path leads to to really enjoying writing. Absolutely. So it's interesting because you did psychology and mm-hmm. you, talk, you mentioned banking there and none of these things are sort of programming or anything like that. So why did you decide to start Pro Writing Aid? Take us through that journey. Well, so I uh, obviously I was working in research and it was very data heavy. So then we had a, a lot of requirements to to ingest data and to process that data and then turn that into an output in terms of analysis. So that was quite heavy on the programming side. So I did have a background in it and I studied it at school as well. So I then found myself traveling and I started writing a a creative book. uh, And I realized that I wasn't really very good at creative writing because all of my experience had been in business writing uh, and creative writing. There's actually lots of new skills to learn uh, and it's really it's like learning a new dialect of English, really, in terms of the way that you express yourself. Uh, so I look back on the process that I'd been through when I left university uh, and how I'd been helped to become a, a good business writer. And I thought, well, OK, that's great, but I don't have anybody to mentor me now. And so I thought, OK, well, can I sort of create something that will help me, you know, keep me on the right path, show me where I'm going wrong? Uh, and uh, take all of the kind of advice that I've been reading in in books about writing and actually bring it into the word processor where I was actually writing and, and remind me this. Because I think my problem is I always forget things. So you know, I, I make the same mistakes over and over again. And then I'd look back and go, oh, yeah, that's, I need to fix that. So I think having I wanted to create something that was there to kind of prod me and and keep me on the right path. And you mentioned there a creative book. So does that mean you actually did write uh, a novel or something? I'm still in the process. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So obviously, pro writing aid then kind of uh, I I created it for myself, but I put it on the internet as a a free product to start with, uh, and it gradually gained momentum, and it, it was amazing at the beginning because you could see it going between different writing genres as different people discovered it and then they shared it with their writing groups and then you know we'd have like a a whole load of people who are writing kind of vampire romance novels and and then then like a few months later it'd be all people writing about like horse racing uh so it was kind of this organic growth and i obviously then saw that people were finding it really useful and I was getting lots of feedback from people and I thought okay well this is really interesting and I'm learning a lot and this is great fun helping all of these people and so then I just got more and more absorbed in in the product and it's grown that was I think seven or eight years ago and it's now grown uh, grown and grown and now we you know I think it started with creative writing but now we help everybody students business writers academic and that's what I th- I mean obviously we get we can talk a little bit about some of the other features but for me the fact that you've come out of writing a longer form book and you've written written books obviously non-fiction books and you're writing a novel and you understand that 
long form writing is quite different to short form. And I feel like that is a real strength of pro writing aid. And obviously there's integration with Scrivener, which so many of us write in. And so for me, that is the magic. It's that you can apply a lot of this stuff over a document or a book length manuscript, which, you know, there are other tools obviously to help people write, but I feel like that's what sets you apart. And that presumably comes from your experience creating these bigger uh bigger documents yeah i mean exactly if you think writing a novel is a huge undertaking right it's many people spend you know a year or several years actually writing the document and so then when you're going and you're trying to improve that uh, it's incredibly difficult to deal with this large and unwieldy document i think that's why products like scrivener that you mentioned are really so popular because they they help you wrangle this document and we you know, I think had a prime focus of, of making it work with Scrivener because we understood that a lot of people were using it and it's a product that I really like and I think being able to run reports over your entire document is incredibly powerful because that's what pre-writing it gives you it just saves you a huge amount of time by being able to do in you know, a few seconds what it would take you as an individual to do you know, hours or if not days. It's interesting because, uh, yeah, I mean, one of those things is uh, repetitious words or repetition. And this is something called the writer's tick. I feel like sometimes it's only in one novel, but sometimes it's across loads of them. For example, I have a lot of nodding and you have to go through your, you know, your novel and identify all the nodding and then figure out better ways <laughs> to have yeah. the, the characters move. So having those kind of reports on overused words is really good. And the other thing I, I you, you mentioned, forgetting things my, I feel like my nemesis is the comma because I literally cannot understand usage of commas no matter how many times I try and learn where they should go yeah. whenever I run it through pro writing I'm like okay so why why is there a comma there so what are some of the things that you repeatedly find in your work I have like ticks like you say so I always say like uh, started or start to do something or begin to do something rather than, you know, you can just use the verb, right? Like he, he started to cook, like you could just say he cooked. Yes, that's, that is right? a good common one, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the commas is a great one. Uh, you know, when I was at school, my I, I so distinctly remember the English class where they tried to teach us how to use commas. Uh, and the English teacher clearly didn't have a clue how to use commas. <laughs> Uh, and was relying on you know heuristics like saying well every time you pause when you're talking just put a comma there and I was that's like that's what well, I was taught too yeah. is that a British thing I don't I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's not correct obviously uh, it's like a simple heuristic for the fact that actually there's like 30 or 40 different rules that you have to remember which you know, is obviously difficult and that's one of the things that we've really focused on within pro writing aid uh, is the commas because a lot of people struggle with them and also giving you the information about why the usage of a comma is correct or incorrect in that situation I think that's a big part of of the tool as well as the education side you know having that knowledge that you could read you know in their blog posts or books about writing but there as you're actually writing in the context of what you've written I think it's incredibly powerful and helps you to to learn as you're going along 
because as you say, you could read a book about or, or an article about where to put commas, right? But you'll have forgotten all of them by the time you come to write the next thing that you're going to write. So, but by having it there constantly, you know, accessible as advice and it then helps to embed it in your memory. And also I, I feel like it doesn't matter if you learn the rule because even if you try and then apply it to your work, it, it might come up in some different way. And so you don't realise that the rule should have been applied in that situation. And so that's why I think I've had uh, I've had comments, you know, obviously I talk about pro writing and I've had comments, people say, well, you're just not a good enough writer. You should learn the mm. grammar. You should learn the rules. So, I mean, but, the, you know, we use tools, don't we? That's what we do as humans. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, and I think I always think when people say that, it's like, well, do you use a spell checker? Uh, and you know, everybody uses a spell checker. But you could say, well, why don't you just know exactly how to spell things and never make typos? <laughs> uh, right? That's the kind of logical extent of their argument. Right. But, you know, for me, obviously, I, you know, I have a reasonable grasp of grammar. The majority of the mistakes I make when I'm writing are typos, but they're typos that, you know, the word is still correct. So, you, you know, you're typing from and you, you spell it form. You know, it's still a correct word and it's mm. really difficult to spot that in the context. And all you've done is hit, you know, the, the two keys out of order as you're typing. You know, pro writing here helps spot those types of errors. Uh, because they're incredibly hard for a, for an individual to spot. Because when you're reading things, you know, actually you only really tend to read the beginning and the ends of the words, especially if you're familiar with the text, which you are when you've written it. So you don't see the mistakes in the middle. If you've written like violet instead of violent or, or something, then it's very difficult to spot or you know, solder rather than soldier. There's, there's so many things that it's easy to mistype and it leads to an embarrassing typo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other one is the uh, it's very useful to set the type of English, for example, because I, I obviously I'm British like you, but I write a lot. All my books are in American English, mm -hmm. but also I now it's very difficult for me to write in British English. I find my all my spell checking and my pro writing and everything is all in American English. So I end up then spelling things in the sort of American way. And then you have to sometimes change it back to British. So it is, it, these things are really important because as you say, you could end up with a typo that you get reported uh, on. That's what used to happen to me when I used to write my books in British English. I would get typo reports and yeah. people uh, on Amazon and reviews saying, this book is full of typos. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and that's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's a, a really difficult thing with Amazon, right? As soon as they start reporting typos, then it negatively affects the, the book. Mm. So that's incredibly important to spot. And I, I'm, I'm like you because I actually uh, was sort of educated as a child abroad in American schools and then in, in California. Uh, and then I moved back to the UK when I was seven or eight. Um, and so I have got very confused about and now obviously write a lot in American English as well. So I generally just mix sentences in, in terms of uh, the spelling and then have to decide at the end what to be consistent about. 
Yes. And, and consistency. I think this is the big thing about the, the whole document checking that's important is consistency. Because, of course, if you check uh, individual chapters on their own, they can be internally consistent. But if you check the whole document, you might find that you've used different things in different chapters. So again, coming back to the whole document checking, that to me is one of the, the features that I find most important. But in terms of, I mean, you obviously have access to so much data as to what people are doing. Well, what are the most um, useful any other useful things for authors that um, you've seen uh, I, well I think every author has their own favorite report and I think that's the great thing about the product is that it has such a variety of reports that are applicable to different types of writing but also to your particular ticks as you, you said earlier right so some people have specific phrases that they repeat all of the time some people have uh, specific syntactic structures that they overuse i think a classic one is is people use lots of sentences beginning with ing words mm. so like walking down the street uh, you know looking across the room uh, you know it's something that it's difficult to spot that you've overused but if you have overused it it really can start to to irk the reader my favorite report is the there's a thesaurus report in the tool which just goes through and and does a process that a lot of writers do, which is you know, look through their work and look for more uh, semantically specific versions of words. So you, you, when you're writing, you just put down the, generally the first word that pops into your head, right? Because you're trying to get your ideas down. You're in this state of flow. It's about getting the ideas down so that later you can come back and refine them. Uh, and often that involves looking up a word in the thesaurus and saying, is there a, a better more nuanced version of this word that I can use uh, and we just do that automatically for all of the words in in your text and present different alternatives and it just speeds up the whole process of finding better alternatives it is fascinating and I actually use it several times in my process now so once at the end of when I've finished a draft that I'm ready to print out and edit by hand and then again before I send it to my human editor and then after I've done my edits I'll put it in again before it goes to my proofreader and then once more it goes through again before I uh, do my formatting because at each stage you know whenever you make a change to a document you end up you know, adding an extra space here or retyping a typo that you yeah. <laughs> that you were trying to fix. So I, I pretty much use it multiple times in my processes. Is that normal? Yeah, I think so. I think the fascinating thing for me is that everybody has a different process, not just with pro-writing aid, but with the whole editing process. Um, but I think, as you say, it's really important to use it when you make changes, because especially native speakers, I think a lot of the mistakes that we make are when we rephrase sentences uh, and then we leave part of the old phrasing there uh, and change the other part accidentally. So we, we've looked at a sentence, we've written it, and then we change a bit, but forget to change, you know, the preposition or or some other part of the, you know, the agreement of the verb that goes with it. We add an extra you know, subject or something. And so it is very easy to in, include extra mistakes at any point within the editing process. 
So we, we're both geeks <laughs> about AI, artificial intelligence. And when I was looking at, at, at the website and um, sort of noticed, and obviously it makes sense that you do use the data analysis and ingesting data and, and AI in ProWritingAid. So tell us, how does ProWritingAid currently use AI and how does that tie into your own interest? Yeah, I think AI has always been something that I've been fascinated with. And, and even in psychology, when I was at university, there was uh, a lot of AI. I think back in the 90s, neural networks were the big thing. And then they had this long period of like, like a neural network winter while technology caught up with the idea. And now they're having a new re uh, renaissance. So we're, we're really seeing huge advances in, in neural networks and deep learning. And so we use a lot of that. And that's why grammar checking now is so, so much better than it was even three or four years ago. There's, we're making huge advances in terms of the technology. But I think for me, AI has this amazing ability to extend the human mind uh, and to jump out. I think often humans get trapped in local buckets of thought and it's very difficult to jump out of them to think laterally if you think when you're doing a crossword it's like well what's a different word for this you know, if it's a very obscure word then you're, you're less likely to be able to think of it mm -hmm. but if you look in a thesaurus you can you know, jump much further but I think AI can and do that can extend that uh, so the, the areas of AI that I'm really excited about are computational creativity. So you know, taking your creativity and extending it with tools from AI uh, so that you get inspired, so you can break through writer's block, uh, so that you can think tangentially and come up with new and exciting ideas. Because I think that's how human society advances is by by taking ideas and building on them. And obviously, the, the bigger the jumps that you can make in your thought process, then the, the further that you can go. And I totally agree with you. I find this uh, sort of extension of the human mind, I that's how I feel as well. What are some of the tools that you're particularly interested in or some of the things that we're seeing right now that you think will be useful to authors in, in the future? So I think obviously there's tools like uh, GPT-3, which is OpenAI AI have generated a lot of um, hype around. I think, you know, don't worry about losing your job as a writer. But I think it has, like, like all technology, I think it will take away the boring parts of a lot of writing jobs. So if, if there's anything that you find dull, then, you know, technology will like gradually advance to the point where it takes that away. So I always think technology isn't there to steal your jobs. It's there to take away the boring bits. And so you can focus on the interesting bits. But yeah, as I said, I think there's so many things going on. It's it's a really quite exciting time to to be in technology and writing. And I think we're going to see a lot of great products coming out over the, the next few years. Yeah, well, you mentioned two quite different things there. Then you said the AI will take away the dull parts, but then you said the bit you're interested in is computational creativity. And to me, those are two really different things. Mm. You know, the creativity aspect is the extension of the human mind, as you mentioned, but the dull parts are probably what it's going to do first. Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. Well, I think that the problem with the creativity side is that it's harder to productize. So it's harder to show the value 
that it adds to creativity because creativity is such a, a nebulous concept, right? You can't measure creativity. You can't say this person is like creativity eight and you know this person is creativity 15, right? So it's hard to then say, okay, well, you know, this product adds five to your productivity, but you can do that on you know, the mundane tasks. You can say, well, this saves you, 15 hours a week by doing all of the boring stuff for you so i think it's a good observation that you've made that i have talked about two different things but i think those two different areas have both got opportunities again in consultancy i think there would be a great application of tools around helping consultants think better and come up with better ideas and make bigger kind of jumps in in their thinking but it is very, very hard to show the value of that. And I think a lot of companies don't place enough value on creative thinking in the first place. And so it would be really difficult to, to turn into something that you can actually commercialize. I think you're right there. And that's why I've been compiling a list of uh, AI writing tools on my website. And every time I hear of something, I add it to the list. And, the, and there are so many in the generate ad copy yeah. <laughs> area or, you know, generate content marketing headlines and articles, all of which mm. really sit on GPT-3 or something similar built on top of that. But as you say, I mean, there are, well, there's really hardly anything around that creativity side of things. Paul Bellow, who I interviewed on on this podcast about, about it, has built a sort of world-building engine for fantasy writers and lit RPG writers, which helps with character development, that kind yeah. of thing, and, and uh, tools and weapons and, and stuff like that. But that's because he's a programmer as well and likes to do that stuff. But as you say, it is not easily productized uh, at all. So is, is that something, I mean, obviously, pro writing aid is pretty perfect as it is are you looking at expanding your suite of tools for writers well i think we we're constantly improving pro writing aid i have for many years wanted to create a separate tool specifically aimed at creativity but i think well up until this point pro writing aid has been so absorbing uh, that i've never had the chance so so maybe as a retirement project i'll do that <laughs> yeah, well, because it's interesting. I, I'm in the GPT-3 beta and they have this uh, sort of, it's not creativity, but it's sort of randomness. And if mm -hmm. you tur turn up the randomness, some of the stuff that comes out, it really helps me think in a different way because I never would have come up with something like that. Whereas, like you said, our thought patterns tend to a certain way. And mm -hmm. so I might always decide that Morgan Sierra will always do a certain thing in my arcane books, but this might give me some other ideas. So I like this idea of turning up randomness because that's often something that I can't do in my own brain. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because I had the same thought this morning. I was walking around the park uh, with my baby son and I was uh, had a like a thought and I was trying to dictate it in my phone. Um, but obviously, there was quite a lot of background noise going on. And then I looked at the, the note later on today and it was talking about wolf girls. <laughs> and I was like, this is this is crazy. It's invented like a whole story here. Uh, I actually found it quite inspiring. And I was like, I wonder if there's anything that we could do with this idea. But yes, it's exactly the same concept, isn't it? You turn up the randomness and it does, it makes bigger lateral jumps from your original meaning and it, it really helps you. 
a lot of those are going to be completely useless and it's, it still needs a human to latch on to the good ideas, but it really does help you with the creativity. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because obviously both you and I are enthusiastic about this. We're positive about this. And yet so many authors and writers are afraid of AI taking my job. And I mean, you could say in journalism and uh, content creation for blogs, for example, that AI is starting to take more of those jobs because we've seen journalists sort of, uh, there's a word for it now, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's the AI journalists uh, have gone from 20 people in a department to one person wrangling the data so in that Mm -hmm. way you could say it is but how how can we keep our curiosity and happy vibe going in the space of almost daily developments in this space I mean it's interesting because I think that I'm more positive about writing and the, the number of writers that will be needed than than I've ever been I think writing is just going to explode in the next few years and has already started to I think Google has now got to the point where they're very good at working out what is good content and what is garbage that's been generated you know, by article spinning or even by GPT-3, right? So now most companies have realized that the only way to really uh, do content marketing is to write lots of really good, high-quality content that people want to read and share, right? which creates this huge demand for writers that are good at doing that. So I think the the demand for writers is going to go up in the same way in the last 20 years, the the demand for software developers has gone through the roof. I think the demand for writers is also going to go through the roof. And I think you'll see in the same way that in the last 20 years, there's been thousands of uh, big software companies producing software just for software developers. I think we'll see lots of software companies and, and many more products that are aimed specifically at writers and helping writers to do their job better. So I'm incredibly positive about the future of writing as a, as a profession. And I think it's going to be really interesting for, for the next 10 years at least. It's interesting because I, I feel this abundance as well. I feel like if you look for it, there are there's more and more work. Like, for example, AI translation. I've been using DeepL.com to mm-hmm. do, uh, I'm just doing my fourth book in German. And the reality is that without DeepL, I would not be able to get a cheap first draft. It's like, you know, 10 euro or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I, then I have to employ a German editor to help me edit, obviously, a German proofreader. I need to do all these other things that I will pay someone that I would not have paid otherwise. So I feel like the job of a translator, there will be more translators needed to wrangle the 20% that is not translated by AI. And as you say, yeah. the same thing with, with the writing work, there will be more of it one, even once 80% is done by machines as such. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that shows as well that it's the interesting bits, right? It's the adding the nuances to the translation, which the, the translator gets to do. And the, the kind of grunt work of word for word translation has been done by the software. And I think that's where it will move. And so you know, hopefully people's jobs will get more and more interesting. Um, and the demand for, for writers you know, it, with specific knowledge, I think, as well, is going to increase, right? Because there's so many businesses where you know, all of the knowledge is in the heads of, of people with engineering degrees or maths degrees that have never really had to write as part of their careers up until now. 
So people that can go in and you know, are technical, but also can write and explain and simplify concepts so that they're understandable by other people will be in a huge demand. Yeah. And then I know many people are worried, though, say about GPT-3. You mentioned a 10-year span, for example. So mm-hmm. I'm 46. So I certainly intend to be making money when I'm 56 <laughs> uh, with my books. And I think people are concerned that there might be a sort of tsunami of generated books that would be uploaded or even AI translated books, that it's hard enough now to stand out as an author in the very crowded space. So although the creativity aspect, you know, that we it can never stop us being creative, could yeah. this amount of generated work stop us make a living, for example? Or, or what are your thoughts on companies like Amazon and Apple and Kobo and all the Google figuring out something, I don't know, a way that or do a better job of AI discoverability so that the emotional promise of a book is what surfaces it rather than just a sort of keyword analysis? I think that's that's an interesting point. And I think that if you think about the, the web, right, you could say exactly the same thing. The web is, there's, there's literally, you know, millions and millions of websites out there, but you still find the good ones, right, because of the human network that's built around them. So I think... With with books, it'll be the same. I think you know, quality always rises to the top. But I also think that writing might change, writing books, and I think it might become a lot, mo- lot more of a kind of collective effort. So you think in the same way as companies you know, employ people with multiple skills, right? I think writers will start to do that. You know, every writer will start working with a marketeer. Every writer will start working... maybe even with other writers to to produce more and more content so you're starting to see that already so I think there's a big parallel between the startup scene for software uh, tech companies and and creating a book right it's at the end of the day they're both products and they both require a, a range of skills and when you have a range of skills it's very hard to find somebody that is good at everything so you need to bring in specialists And before that was the publishing houses, they would handle all of the non-writing side of things. But I think it will, you know, you see it already with self-publishing. Lots of people are deciding to self-publish, but I think we'll start to see a lot of people who self-publish with a a bigger network around them of support with the help, helping with their marketing and, and other aspects. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely my experience is working with lots of professional freelancers doing various things but it's interesting though you talked about a startup and then kind of scaling to work with more people and that's basically what you've done with pro writing aid you've gone from you tinkering around (laughs) to this sort of pretty big company and successful authors also need to run a business so I wondered what are some of your lessons uh, learned about entrepreneurship that might also be useful to authors who are going from tinkering on their first book to wanting to run not necessarily a company like yours with employees and software but make more money uh, I suppose yeah well I think it's I'm constantly learning and that's why I'm still doing this because every day is this amazing experience uh, of learning new things and it's quite humbling because you think oh my god how did I not know that um I think for me the, the biggest learning that I've had is that 
my natural inclination and I think the, the inclination of most people is to try and you know you want to be successful so try and do as many things as you can and hopefully one of those things will you know, lead to success I think that's the wrong way to approach it you have to decide what the kind of the smallest thing or you know the two things that you can do like that give you the biggest chance of success and really really focus on those two things and ignore everything else because otherwise you'll just end up doing lots of things not very well so I think that has been the biggest learning for me I think that you can think of it as you know if you're trying to make a hole in a piece of paper uh, if you if you push with five fingers then you're not you're never going to make a hole right but if you push with one finger then you will make a hole you will succeed and so it's you know, having all of that force behind you know the one or two things that you're working on that really leads to success mm, although i'm what what we call a multi-passionate creator just <laughs> can't if I could just write you know 25 books in one genre then that would be great but no I I insist on writing all over the map and I but then I I you said two things we're allowed two things so I might choose uh being an author and being a podcaster that's two things right yeah yeah but well but if you're optimizing for happiness then that you know you have to to at some point you can also say right you know, I'm either going to be happy or successful and they're not necessarily the same thing Right. I think there's a lot of successful people out there who are not very happy because they've dedicated so much to their work and they've sacrificed so much to their work. So, so you know, saying that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to indulge all of the things that I enjoy as well is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, as long as you realize that that might actually not you know, bring you as much success, but maybe you don't need you know, that much success. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, life is about balance, right? And finding the right balance. It is an incredibly important thing. Uh, well, and then talking about balance, because uh, you live in Mallorca and in Palma, which I love. I love it there. And I wondered how you managed to combine work-life balance in a place where essentially most of us see it as a holiday destination. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I must say moving here was the best thing that I've ever done. And obviously, you know, afforded to me by uh, having set up a company where... I think one of my core principles when setting up the company was that this company is going to be as flexible with its employees as it is possible, right? So that you know, people do have the ability to to fit work around their lives rather than their lives around work. And I, that, you know, that's, for me, one of the most important things. Uh, and that's how I live my life, right? So, I, you know, I'll often get up at ungodly hours of the morning do a few hours of work, but then go out and, and play tennis for a few hours. I like that flexibility and I, I encourage everybody in the company to, to try and make use of that flexibility if they can. And that's great. And that's why I, a decade ago, I was like, this is what I want. As you say, I mean, I, I was still a highly paid consultant and I gave that up in order to have a more flexible life doing what I love. So as you say, you have to find it, find that definition yourself. But uh, we're out of time. So where can people find you and Pro Writing Aid online? Uh, well, Pro Writing Aid is obviously prowritingaid.com. And I tend to keep quite a low profile, but I'm pretty... <laughs> Christy Banks at Twitter. I have about three followers. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you want people to go to Pro Writing Aid anyway, <laughs> not bother you. Exactly. You just carry on building us features. <laughs> yes. I like to be the silent person behind behind the scenes. 
Oh, well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, Thanks so much. It's been a much. great conversation. So I hope you enjoyed the interview and found it interesting. And remember, you can get 25% off at thecreativepen.com forward slash pro writing aid or one word, thecreativepen.com forward slash pro writing aid. And you'll find my tutorial on that page as well. So coming up in the usual show on Monday, I'm talking to Jeff Elkins about dialogue and written character voice. So as ever this week, you're getting that blend of technology and craft, which I personally, I find is what I enjoy the most. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.